Hi there. Today you're listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich. This is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Join me as I share some practical applications of the fruit of the Spirit. Here is where you can learn tools to cultivate things like love when you find your son sitting in paint, joy while cleaning up the paint, and peace in more areas besides just hiding in the bathroom. Yes, it is possible to love God, love others, and enjoy it. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Fruit Pursuit podcast. Today's episode 32 is entitled, Patience is a Virtue. I want to just review what virtue means. I have heard this phrase all my life, patience is a virtue, and I thought I would just remind myself and thus remind you that the definition of virtue means a behavior showing high moral standards. You know, I think there's a reason why patience is a virtue is a popular phrase, even more than a lot of other qualities or fruits of the Holy Spirit. Love is a virtue. uh, Joy is a virtue, all of those things. But the one we hear and is a popular phrase is that patience is a virtue. You know, I think it's easy to find ways to love people, even in difficult times. But patience is one of those things that has a reputation, doesn't it? It it has a reputation of something that we jokingly say, oh, don't pray for patience, because as soon as you do, you're going to find evidence in your life or situations and circumstances where you feel compelled to wait and wait patiently. So whether you choose to pray for patience or not, it is a behavior that is reflective of our beliefs of high moral standards, the truth of of who God is and how we relate to him. More so, I think, than some of the other fruits of the Holy Spirit. However, I just want to be real honest with you that in my personal life, waiting often makes me want to strangle a person. It's not the best fruit. It's not my best fruit of the Holy Spirit. There are other ones that I am, I have cultivated more faithfully or that I come with a natural propensity towards. So I typically lean towards joy anyway. I typically lean towards loving others anyway. Faithfulness is something that I resonate with more naturally. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't need to cultivate those things, but they, I understand them. They resonate with me and I'm like, yes, I want more of that. But when, when it comes to patience, my first inclination when I think of cultivating patience is to squirm, to like, can I weasel out of this? Is there a way that I could avoid needing patience? Because frankly, I don't want to wait for anything for very long. And in our culture of instant gratification, I think you would probably agree with me that we are gradually as a society becoming even less willing to wait for things less willing to put in long-term effort and consistency 
for a result at the end. We become, we become really desirous of instant gratification, not only in our practical lives, but also our spiritual life. And, and we can get frustrated. I know I do. I get frustrated. And in order to avoid waiting for something, I am willing to get super creative. So I'm going to, I'm going to share some of the ways that I get creative and see if any of these are things that you do. If they are, maybe pick your favorite, which one's the one that you go to the most often, or maybe you have others. And if you do, I'd love to hear some of the ones that you use, some of the ways you, you avoid patience, avoid having to wait, avoid, you know, try to skirt the issue. So one way that I typically will try to avoid having to wait for things is by taking a risk. Well, I I know what I want to do. It's not working. So I'm just going to leap off of this cliff and go do the thing because I'm not waiting for everybody else to figure this out. Or I will delegate. All of this needs to be done. I can't figure out how to do it. You, you, and you go do it now. And so I might put my responsibilities off onto other people. And in conjunction with that, another way that I do that is to pressure pressure other people to act. When I see something not happening, if I can come up with a way that it's possible for something to happen by other people taking action, then sometimes I put that pressure on them and say, well, hey, if you were doing this job, then this would be possible. I have made the mistake in years past of doing that in church work. If I see an area that I think needs to grow in, like say there's a Bible study that needs to happen, or I see a lack in children's ministry, or maybe I get frustrated with the renovation that needs to happen on the church bathroom or whatever it is, I can start dealing with my impatience by pressuring other people to respond. And it might look like going to a meeting and and being like, hey, have you noticed that the bathroom needs to be remodeled? And what are we doing about that? And who's in charge of that? And can't we like get a move on and start snapping my fingers in the background saying, hey, let's like, I don't want to wait. So you need to get with the program. Do you have anybody in your life that you do this with? It. I don't think I'm alone in this, right? <laughs> like we like to take the pressure off of ourselves by putting it onto other people sometimes. Another way that I avoid the need to wait is I want to throw out a fleece for God. Now, if you if you aren't familiar with that term, throwing out a fleece, it comes from the book of Judges where Gideon is has been commanded by God to go out and fight a battle and it's a little scary because he's up against a large army and God has a very small army for Gideon to fight with and Gideon's got a little doubt about that and so he he lays out a fleece like some some wool on the ground outside and makes a request of God that if God is really calling for him to fight this battle this way, that he'll make the he'll make the fleece wet and the ground dry. 
And then when God actually shows up and does that, he makes the fleece wet and the ground dry. Then Gideon says, okay, don't get mad at me, God, but can you make it happen the other way around? And I might have them backwards, but he does it one way. And then he's like, wait, that might be, that might've been the easy way. Let's, let's make it, let's do it the other way. And so the second time the ground is wet and the fleece is dry and it's God's way of confirming by Gideon's request that he really is supposed to go out and fight this battle. Sometimes I don't like waiting for God and I want to be sure that I'm waiting for him. I want to be sure that I'm not off somewhere. I want to be knowing that I'm doing the right thing. And so I'll come up with some little gimmick or an attempt to confirm through a fleece or some sort of coincidental happening that I really am doing what I'm supposed to be doing and that it really is God that's speaking to me. Now, I don't think that asking God to show himself is a wrong idea. I think that's fine. But if it's used, if I know in my heart that I'm using it as a way to squirm out of just needing to be patient, then that's that's an improper use of that technique. And it's basically me avoiding what I really need to do, which is wait. And then, of course, there's the common ways of waiting that we just try to avoid the pressure, avoid the stress, the anxiety, wondering what's going to happen if it if things don't happen in the right timing. Or I'm thinking about like, I know all of us probably have been in financial situations where we're not really sure how it's going to work out. My husband and I have been recently in some of those situations and even today have financial situations where we're like, I I do not know how God provides for this. I don't know how he's going to show up. I don't know how this is going to work. And when we don't see the way that something's going to happen, it can be stressful. And when we get into that place of needing to wait for God to show up, we're praying for him to show up, but it hasn't happened and we don't see how it's going to happen yet. Then we move into various other coping mechanisms like I will take care of this stress instead of waiting patiently for the Lord, I will eat (laughs) a lot of carbohydrates or sugar or um, I will go shopping and buy, buy stuff. I can't tell you the number of times over my parenting years where I have been genuinely needing shoes for my children. I get impatient. I've been praying to God for him to provide shoes for our children. We don't have the money. So I get frustrated and I go out and buy the shoes, put it on the credit card, come home, have the child wear the shoes. And then just about the time that they have worn the shoes enough that I feel would feel guilty about returning them, we will have a pair of shoes provided for us. I don't know what it is about shoes, but it seems like shoes over the course of the years that my children have been young have has been the way that God reveals to me my impatience by needing shoes, needing to pray and wait for him to show up. And then by getting impatient, learning my lesson again, it really is I'm telling you, it's not my best fruit. (laughs) That's something that I do. I go out and I shop when I get stressful. I'm going to fix this solution with a credit card. 
And then sometimes I sleep. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what to think about it. And so I'm just going to go take a nap, go sleep so that I don't have to think about it. Maybe it's play a word game on my phone. Occasionally I get into little patterns where I play different games on my phone and you probably have something similar. It could be scrolling through Facebook or it could be checking out Instagram or it could be, you know, whatever you do that helps you sort of numb out away from having to think about what's not working currently. Those are coping mechanisms and really they are evidence that we are fearful and not trusting the Lord. So those are some of the coping mechanisms and some of the ways that I avoid being patient. And recently my husband and I were, were praying about a financial need and I, I want you to know that this is like real time, real life, how all of this shakes down for us is that we were praying for this financial need. And I mentioned to my husband, I just, I wish I could like read in a book somewhere that God is, has heard us. He knows what's going on and that he does care about us and that there's a reason for why we're having to wait for, for this need to be met. If we just had a, a little letter directly written to us that told us, yes, this specifically is why we're doing this, why you're having to wait, then I could, I feel like I could wait for a long time. Now, I, I think it's funny that that happened to be the thing that came out of my mouth because the very next morning I was reading in my Bible, which by the way, is a book written directly to us as believers. And I honestly did not put that together when I was thinking about, I wish I could read it in a book, but the, the irony was not lost on me that the next morning I was reading my Bible and I came across the verses in Romans two about patience. So I want to read several of them to you. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but uh, verses four, six, seven, and eleven. I'm just I'm jumping because they're the the parts that directly spoke to me out of the scripture, not because I'm trying to hide part of the scripture. So, verse four says, "Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance?" Which that phrase that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance stuck out at me. And I checked some of the cross references around that verse. And it really is talking about how God shows patience to us. And it is a form of kindness and mercy to us that he waits, that he'll, he is, he's waiting for us to, to see our need for him in our lives. Later on in the chapter, verses six and seven, it says, He will render to each one according to his works, to those who by patience and well doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. Which to me was a promise of, Hey, I see that you are trying to do well. 
and that you are seeking the things of the Lord and I am giving you internal life. But more than that, I think that it is it is reflective of his goodness to us, of his love for us, that he's not up up in heaven, as I have seen the Far Side comic, um, pushing a smite button, waiting over, hovering over a computer keyboard, waiting to push the smite button on us at the opportune moment. No. We're doing good. We long to bring God glory. We want to be honoring. We seek good things in life and have standards that are honoring of his word. And he sees that. He knows it and he's going to take care of us. And then in verse 11, it says, for God shows no partiality. I think it's interesting that this is a time when he reminds people because he contrasts in these verses, he contrasts how he responds to people who are seeking to do good and those who are self-seeking and don't obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness. And he points out that those who are obeying the truth, that he, that he pays attention and he will reward them. And that there's no favoritism. It doesn't matter if you're Jewish or if you're Greek in the Bible. That's what it's talking about. But it doesn't matter what denomination you're from or it doesn't matter your cultural background or whether you grew up rich or poor. God desires that we all come to him and and he will give abundant life to each one who follows him fully, who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ for and repents of their sin and is saved he doesn't he doesn't play favorites that's encouraging to me and in the context of his kindness being patience i find i found myself encouraged today with three different truths about god's patience and how i am able to wait because of something key about him so I want to talk about those three things this morning to you today. The first one is I can wait patiently for God because my trust is not based on circumstances, but instead on his ability and power. Let me say that again. I can wait patiently for God because my trust is not based on my circumstances, but rather on his ability and power. You know, a lot of times when my circumstances aren't working out, say, take this financial need that we have, for instance, it's easy to start wondering, uh, am I, do I need to keep going in the direction I'm going? Am I doing the right thing? No, we get clear what the right thing is to do. And then regardless of our circumstances, we keep doing the right thing because we don't adjust what is true about God around how we experience life and the circumstances that come into our everyday, we, we do it the other way around. We get, get clear on what is true about God, that he has our best interest in mind, that we can trust him, that he is powerful, that he is rich, that he loves us beyond measure, and that we compel our circumstances and our experiences to line up with his truth. 
Now, that's not a popular thing to do these days. There's a lot of there's a lot of talk out there that our experiences and our circumstances are what should define what we believe. And I'm telling you, it is a road to hell right quick. Because we all experience different things and then everything that we experience can be interpreted differently depending on how we happen to feel that day. But God doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can trust him. And whether we see how it all works out or not, whether he chooses to bless us financially or not, we can trust him. Whether he causes things to work together in a convenient way, in a comfortable way, or we go through tragedy, we can trust him. Because our decision to trust God is based on his ability on what he's capable of, of his power, of his control over the universe and our individual lives, and not based on the possibilities that we personally can see that are available to us. So I encourage you to get back to, yes, I can patiently wait for God because my trust is based in his ability and his power. The second one is that I can wait patiently for God because he has provided before. Now, I have stories in my own life of how he's provided, and I bet if you sat down and thought about it for two seconds, you could think of ways that God has provided for you in times of need where you didn't know how it was going to work out. He has provided for you, and we can use those circumstances as evidence of he is quite capable of providing again. I'll give you a couple from our life. For instance, um, when we have been homeschooling, this was a number of years ago now, but um, at one point I had all of my children trying to learn something in school. And so it's seven kids and we had a couple of them grouped together. So only five grades needing to be taught. However, in that season of life with them younger, I found it extremely overwhelming and difficult. It was getting really close to having to start the school year. I had been praying about how to homeschool. I felt like I was supposed to homeschool, but I did not see a way out. And I didn't see a way forward how to make it happen. It just felt like I was kidding myself about how successful I was going to be at this. I had looked at curriculum, I had prayed, I had asked God for help, I needed financial help to if I wanted to hire a tutor, or, and I just couldn't see how I could do it alone. I needed help, and I didn't see how to make that happen. And so I remember a Friday, I went to my husband and I said, I don't know how I have this happen. The only possibility I see is that maybe we need to put them in school. At the time, he was extremely adamant that we were not going to put them in school. And so we kind of came to an impasse. I remember having that long conversation with him, with Brandon. It wasn't, it wasn't an easy conversation. We were definitely at odds with each other. Didn't really see eye to eye. But one thing we did do was we ended the conversation with a prayer. We, we prayed that if God was really calling us to stay in homeschooling, that he had, like we needed him to provide. 
Talk about a squirm. I was supposed to start school on Monday. This was a Friday and I didn't see a way out. I had been praying all summer for a result. And here I was saying that I was going to wait for him again, even though three days later I was going to need to start school. But I, I testify to you today that that afternoon I walked into another building where there was a girl that had just graduated from Bible school and she came up to me and she said, Mary, I feel like the Lord has been, has put on my heart to help you with school this year. And I'm wondering, would it be okay with you if I helped with your school, with your homeschool in exchange for room and board in your house? I promise you I am not making this up. I'm not exaggerating it. If anything, I'm downplaying the the, the way that this happened. But that is exactly what happened. She ended up moving into the garage bedroom that we had and living us with living with us for that year and in exchange for a room in our house and food for her to eat she tutored my kindergartner and my first grader taught them how to read taught them how to their letters taught them how to write and that freed me up to be able to do the subjects that I needed to do for my other children. The very next year, a total answer to prayer, but I had to wait for God to provide instead of being rash and dropping them all in public school. If I had done that, the testimony would have been lost. The very next year, I uh, she was moving on to do something else, and so I was in a situation where I needed a new answer. And along came this program called Classical Conversations that I felt like the Lord had put on my heart that was the right answer for our family that year. But honestly, it was going to cost over $4,000 and they don't take credit cards and I had to pay it all up front in the summer. And so all of a sudden, we needed $4,000 to be able to put our kids in school If we were going to use this program, we felt clearly that God had called us to the program. And so we began praying for it and the deadline got closer and closer and closer and closer. Have you ever been in that time where you're like, the pressure just increases the week before we were supposed to pay that bill. I got an unexpected inheritance check from my mom who had decided to divide a portion of her inheritance from her mother's property and give it to each one of her kids. And she sent me a check in the mail and it was within a hundred dollars of the same price as what we needed to pay for school. It wasn't the exact amount. And I know that there are countless people that have stories of the exact amount coming in. It wasn't the exact amount, but it was within a hundred dollars and we were able to pay the other hundred dollars. So it, it worked out. It was a way that God met it. But if I had not been willing to be patient and wait for him, even right up until the point where I felt like this is not going to work. All is lost. I don't know what I'm going to do. If I hadn't continued to trust him and realize that he has ways of providing for us that we have no idea about, then 
I wouldn't be here today able to share that testimony with you that he provides for our needs. He's provided for my needs before. He can provide for your needs today. And I challenge you to go back and remember the times that he has provided for you in the past and use them as evidence of what is possible for today. It's so easy to forget. It's so easy to get caught up in, I don't see how he's going to do this today and forget the ways that he has provided for us in the past. One of the verses that popped out at me when I was praying for our finances not too long ago is Psalm 50. Oops, sorry, that's my Bible opening. (laughs) Psalm 50, and I'm going to read several verses from here as well. This is one of my favorite Psalms. If you are struggling with, I don't know how he's going to figure this out. I have a circumstance that I have no idea how he meets these needs then I encourage you to read Psalm 50. It's the one that talks about the cattle on a thousand hills in verse 10. It says, for every beast of the forest is mine. This is God talking. The cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds on the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. You know, we have a little joke around our house that anytime God, we need God to show up in a financial way, and we can't figure out how he's going to ha- do it. We joke about, I don't know what the big deal is. He just has to sell a couple of cows <laughs> because he owns all of them on a thousand hills and he can provide for us. I have verse 15 underlined and a note beside it of how God met me in meeting those school needs of this girl showing up at our house and living with us for a year of providing the money for CC. Verse 15 says, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. My testimony is that he has delivered me before if I have been patiently willing to wait for his answer And as a result, I get to bring him glory by telling you about it and by encouraging you to say, where has he shown up for you that you can share with other people to to not only remind yourself, but your family, your children, the people around you that we serve a big God and he has provided for us and he can do it again. And then the last thing is that I can wait patiently because I know he hears. And if I'm still waiting, it's on purpose. The last verse in Psalm 50 verse 23 says, The one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. To the one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. He gives us a promise. He will show us his salvation. We can believe him. We can trust him. And in the waiting, the thanksgiving that we do is the sacrifice. That's the sacrifice that brings him glory. And so as I'm sharing this podcast to you today, my sacrifice, my thanksgiving that is a sacrifice is that 
I am so thankful for the ways that he's shown up before. There may be needs that we still have that we're wondering how we're going to figure them all out. I don't have the answers to them. And I know that you have needs in your life that you don't have figured out, that you wonder how they're all going to turn out, that you don't see how this is going to be answered. But what I do know is that I can be thankful for that girl showing up and saying, hey, I want to teach your children and God provided. I can be thankful for the way that he provided for over $4,000 the next year in one week, actually in one check in one day to provide for our schooling for that year. I can be thankful for the way that he has provided a home for our family in an, in a time when I didn't see how it was possible for us to purchase a home that he provided a job for my husband when we had been praying and praying and thought for sure that certain certain avenues would work out and they didn't. And he went to this interview on a whim and all of a sudden that became the job that he got was like, uh, I guess I could always use the interview practice. And he showed up to that and that's the job that he has now. And God provided for him. God provides for us. He meets our needs. I'm so thankful for the way that he's met my needs up until now. I'm so thankful for the way that he provides for you. And you have the opportunity to offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. It is a sacrifice. Maybe it doesn't feel easy, but it is evidence that we are willing to patiently wait for what God has in store for us. By offering a sacrifice of thanksgiving in the midst of wondering how he's going to meet that next need. Listen, my prayer for you is that you will be digging into waiting patiently for the Lord and using this opportunity to be an example to your kids of what that looks like. We think about, oh, it's about us waiting patiently, but we're demonstrating to our children what to do in stressful situations. Are you demonstrating to them that we can offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving and wait patiently for him? Patience is a virtue. It's a behavior. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit that that requires cultivating in order to bear good fruit. It requires practice. It's like building muscle. It's going to be uncomfortable. And I encourage you to dig back in and apply this to your life. I think you will find that he, God is so faithful and so willing to meet our needs. We can trust him. So that's my encouragement to you today around the topic of patience. We've got a couple of more this month all on patience. I look forward to chatting with you next week too. Until then, I hope you'll be waiting patiently for the next episode of the Fruit Pursuit podcast and take care. You've been listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich, a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. To hear more great ways of growing your mindset in the fruit of the spirit, please subscribe. You can listen to other episodes and find additional resources at fruitpursuitpodcast.com. To learn more about Mary Aldrich and the coaching work she is so passionate about, visit maryaldrichcoaching.com. And by the way, what one next step are you taking today?